Hello again, and welcome to Tales with Some Height. This is Justice Hayes, also known online as Shoes on Wires. Episode number nine, it is June... Oh God, I always do this. I think it's June 5, or maybe 6. Let me check. Pull out my phone. My God, it's June 7th. Shows you how out of it I am. But there you go. Every day blends into every other day, and that's just how life goes on. I think. I'm pretty sure. So, <clears throat> it's uh, Tuesday night. I'm sitting on the back deck. Lisa has gone to bed. She has to be up at 4. Oh, my God. That is so early. She's um, she's doing uh, a day labor call tomorrow, and she has to be there super early, so she's getting up super early. I, myself, am going to try and get to the shop by mm, 7.30, ideally. That means me getting up at 5. That's my usual wake-up time. And uh, and that's enough backstory. So, what am I going to talk about this evening? We have... Um, a bunch of different options, but I think once again, and you might be shaking your head at this point because so many of these stories have involved my 2005 Europe trip, but just so many goddamn weird, bizarre, entertaining things happened on that trip. I, I can't help it. I mean, there's just so many good stories. And this is a, a very good story. This is top tier. I'm going to say, you know, this is a, a class A story for sure. thing about traveling in Europe in 2005, which was a major difference from my previous trip to Europe when I was 18 years old with a couple of buddies of mine, is that, of course, everything is available on the Internet. So you get on the Internet, and you look up, you know, hostelworld.com, whatever, and you book a hostel bed, and, you know, you're going to Antwerp. That's your next stop on the itinerary, 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 whatever. Next stop on your tour, itinerary. Wow. Um, I will admit right now that um, I just had uh, a pretty significant taupe, which is something that I don't usually do, so I do have a bit of a buzz on a real, little bit, a little bit. Um, so you're just going to have to deal with that. I used to be chronic. I'm not chronic anymore, but I did have a taupe, and I'm a lightweight, cheap drunk, cheap, 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 oh, jeez. See? Cheap date. <laughs> Um, yeah, case in point. Proof is in the pudding, as they say. Can we start again? All right, we will. So, <laughs> um, 2005, and I was there for uh, five and a half months, and I started in England, and I ended in Italy, and by the time I got to Italy, uh, Lisa, my my current wife at that time, my girlfriend, and I, uh, well, really more than a girlfriend, significant life partner, we were hugely, immediately, intensely in love, and when she came to visit me uh, in Europe, in Portu at Portugal, in Lisbon, 
uh, we decided that we were going to fly without birth control, and of course she got pregnant right away. But at the time, we didn't know that. And she went back home, and I got to Italy, and um, and we ended up having a, a phone call conversation where she told me that she was pregnant. But all of this is after the story that I'm about to relate. So, I arrive in Rome, and I have made on the internet, uh, through Hostel World, or whatever the hell it was called, can't remember, I had made a reservation at this hostel called The Navigator. And it was a little ways away from the train station, a bit of a walk, and of course I've got my, my knapsack and all my stuff with me. It was kind of a warm day. It was, um, I'm going to say, late July, early August, somewhere in there. So, you know, it was pretty warm. And I was sweating a lot. <clears throat> so I get finally to... Um, after some false starts and whatnot, uh, get finally to the building where the navigator is located. Go up to the third floor, which is where the navigator is located, and I knock on the door, and nothing happens. And I knock on the door again, and nothing happens. So at that point, of course, you go, well, guy's not in, there's nobody there, well, it's a real drag, but what can you do about it? So I kind of hung out for a little bit, and the um, the building that the navigator was in had a, a huge interior courtyard, you know, like a, a, a big light well that went up to the sky, and, um, and there was a, an extremely pathetic collection of plants down on the ground floor at the bottom of this light well, really pathetic. So I stood there looking at it going, wow, this could be so great, and yet it's completely not great, just the way it was. As time goes by, have a couple of smokes, decide I'm going to try again, so I go back to the door, knock, 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 press the bell, and this time a guy shows up, and he is um, a piece of work, to put it mildly and gently, a piece of work. Basically, the most hungover, alcoholic, soused person you can possibly imagine. And this is Mario. Hmm. Remember Mario, because he's going to figure hugely in the upcoming story, Mario. So, he's got drooping, bloodshot eyes and a slack uh, face, and he's clearly barely awake, barely conscious. And he says, uh, uh, Something like that. Uh, and I say in response, um, yeah, hi, uh, my name is Justice Hayes. I have a reservation. I'm supposed to be staying here tonight. He looks at me and he's like, uh, no, uh, you have to come back later. Come back, come back later. Come back later. Uh, no, you have to come back later. And I'm like, what? No, come back later. Like, seriously, I have to come back later? Yeah, come back later. Uh, Okay, and he shuts the door. So I still got all my stuff. I got my bags. I got everything. And here's the place where I'm supposed to be staying. And there's this supremely fucked up guy. You just totally have to come back later. So I go like, well, okay, fine. You know, he's clearly out of it. So I will come back later. I'll give it an hour. So I go out, 
sort of walk around for a bit. You know, it's it's interesting. It's Rome, even though it's sort of a suburban side area next to, but not quite the Colosseum and all that downtown stuff. You know, it's still cool. There's little squares and cafes and whatnot. And I think I had a coffee or maybe a beer. I can't remember. But anyway, I, you know, I fucked off for an hour or so. And then I came back. And, uh, and I knock on the door again. And once again, I get the big bleary bloodshot eye. And, and I'm like, look, dude, um, I have a reservation, so I need to come in. I, you know, I've been hanging out for an hour. I came back, but uh, I have a reservation, so I have to come in. And he's like, well, you have to come in? I'm like, yeah, I have to come in. It was like, uh, okay, just because I was... I was forceful. Like, if I had been passive or anything, he would have just brushed me off again. But because I was like, no, dude, I have to come in. I have a reservation. I'm coming in. He's like, "Uh, okay. So I get in, and it's clear that he is um, annihilated. He's drunk, drunk out of his mind. And this is my second introduction to Mario. So, um, somehow he gets me through signing in and, uh, you know, showing my passport and everything and all the forms are signed and now I'm an official guest of the Navigator. And a couple of really strange days, uh, ensue, uh, during, basically during the day I would go out and sightsee because I'm in Rome and that's what you're going to do. Sightsee. I mean, that's the whole that's the whole point of the of the exercise is to go out and have a look around. So I would go out and have a look around and take lots of photos. Rome was great for decrepitude photos. Absolutely awesome. So I would do that. Go out and take uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of photos. And then I would come back, and uh, by the evening, Mario had usually sorted himself out somewhat. Like he had consumed enough wine that he was kind of even keelish. And there weren't a whole lot of people staying at the, the hostel at the time. There, basically, it was down to me and these two Jap- young Japanese guys. And for a couple of days there in the evenings, um, I, I'm ashamed to say, but um, these two Japanese guys were on board and I was on board as well. And the whole uh, purpose of the evening was to see how many bottles of wine we could get Mario to buy for us that <laughs> we didn't have to buy booze. And uh, and the answer was usually around 10, you know, because he really was a shameless alcoholic. Shameless. Oh, it was killing him. It was. I didn't realize it so much at the time, like during the early stages, I didn't realize how much, but later I really came to realize just how much. So we would have these um, sort of early evenings with shitloads of wine, and then uh, and then you know we'd go out and come back. And on about the third day, uh, Mario started to get really really weird. Um, he was sallow at the best of times, had a bit of a yellow tinge to him, which um, suggested jaundice, and um, he of course, was drinking like a like a madman. He had a bedroom in the hostel that was like his private room. And um, when he ensconced himself in there and started seriously drinking, um, he would just um, 
Well, basically, he would just piss the bed. Or if he didn't piss the bed, he would um, rouse himself to the edge of the bed, swing his legs over, and piss on the floor. So that was going on for a while. And, uh, and I was acutely aware of that because of the smell. And about this time, the, the two young Japani- Japanese guys, they, uh, they booked out. And so it was just me and Mario uh, pissing his bed and being drunk out of his head all day and uh, pissing on the floor next to his bed. So, uh, so things were deteriorating. As, uh, as you can imagine, they were deteriorating uh, rapidly. So time goes by, and uh, it's probably the next day. When I say time goes by, it's like a day. So it's the next day, and I realize that he's in absolutely no shape whatsoever to take on any new clients or customers. And during this time, there is a, a computer at the end of this hallway um, that constitutes the sort of main hallway of the the hostel. So there's a computer, and it has internet access, and as all this crap, this weirdness is going on, Mario pissing himself, etc., etc., I am blogging on LiveJournal. I had a a LiveJournal page where I updated my uh, European experience as I went along. So I'm updating all the fucking weirdness that's going on. And um, one afternoon, so I guess, you know, we've missed that day. There's that day of him just pissing on the floor, blah, blah, blah. The next day, relatively early, I think it was early in the day, and I'm sitting on that computer and I'm typing away. And I hear a noise behind me. And I turn around and it's Mario and he's naked. And it's clear that he has a hernia that has expressed itself into his scrotum. So his scrotum is about as big as a large grapefruit. It's swinging. And he's naked with a, um, you know, a, a limp, uh, pube-enshrouded dick. And in his hands, upraised above his... his well, his one hand, upraised above his head, is a a long kitchen knife, such as one would use to to cut vegetables, a long, sharp kitchen knife. And I look at him, and because I've been dealing with him so long and so intimately by this point, it's been a couple of days, and I know that he is all bark and no bite and all bradaccio, Bardaccio? Bragat? Oh, God, I'm not even going to try. All bark and no bright. Bite. <laughs> so, um, I realize I have a choice. I can feel threatened by the fact that there's a naked man with a knife approaching me, or I can treat him like a two-year-old child and take the knife away from him, and that's exactly what I did. I stood up and gave him shit and tore a strip off him and grabbed the knife out of his hand and he was abashed and, oh, I'm so sorry. And he goes back into his room and shuts the door. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, thank God. So I go back to my uh, my blog entry 
And then some time goes by, maybe half an hour or something like that. And I hear a noise behind me again. And I turn around, and this time it's Mario. Again, naked, huge hernia, swinging between his legs. And he's now got two kitchen knives, two of them, one in each hand, raised above his head, poised to strike. And once again, I just treat him like a fucking two-year-old child and just fucking lay into him like, dude, you're fucking pissing me off. This is ridiculous. I am helping you out. Blah, blah, blah. Just fucking laid into him. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <clears throat> so he goes back to his room. And when I put him back to his room this last time, he intimates in a fairly subtle kind of way that he's got a gun. So now... I have a new situation on my hands because um, obviously there's knives at the place. I mean, there's any residence, there's knives. You know, if you're going to cook food, there's knives. But now he's intimated that there's a gun. I haven't seen the gun. I personally doubt the gun. I think he's just trying to be big man on campus. But it's in the back of my head. So another day goes by, and um, I feel like I'm obligated to keep an eye on him. So I, I go out for a little time, not much during the day, go and get some food, sort of walk around a little bit, but mostly going to get food and some beers and whatnot. <clears throat> and I get back, and he's lying on his bed in his room, and he says, Justice, Justice, I'm, I'm, I'm in trouble. And I'm like, well, you're in trouble? Really? He says, yeah, I am in trouble. I have to go to the hospital. I'm like, okay, well, fine, I'll call you an ambulance. What's the number? Just tell me, I'll call you an ambulance. Oh, I'll give you the number, but I can't go to San Giovanni. I can't go there. I will refuse to go there. It's a terrible hospital. I need to go to this other hospital whose name I've forgotten. But I will not go to San Giovanni. I'm like, okay, fine. So I call up the I call up the ambulance service. He gives me the number. The ambulance comes. And uh, as they arrive, I'm like, yeah, I'm a guest at the hostel. He's the owner. And he says he won't go to San Giovanni. And they're like, well, we came from San Giovanni, and that's where he's going. And I'm like, well, he doesn't want to go there. So then I turn, basically, I just turn him over to them. <clears throat> so, of course, this whole long interlude happens where they talk to him, and he talks to them, and it's all in Italian, and I can't understand a single fucking word that they're saying, except for San Giovanni. I hear that quite a few times. And at the end, they come to me and they say, he refuses to go to St. Giovanni and we're not taking him anywhere else. We're leaving. So they leave. And I'm like, fucking dude, seriously? Like, you have to go to the hospital, but you're not going to go to a particular hospital? Aren't you being an asshole? And he's like, oh, maybe I'm being an asshole, but I don't want to go to St. Giovanni. I'm like, fine, I'm going to bed. Good night. So I go to bed and... Basically, the next day we have a repeat. I'm not going to go through all the details. Basically, it was a repeat. Uh, the paramedics come. He won't go to St. Giovanni. They say, we're going to take you to St. Giovanni. He says he's not going to go to St. Giovanni. 
they leave. So now this is two nights in a row where the, where the paramedics and the fucking ambulance is sitting outside, the whole nine yards, paramedics, etc. No, I'm not going to St. Giovanni. And two times it doesn't happen. So he's still at the fucking house. He's still drunk out of his mind because, and I'm ashamed to admit this, I went out and bought him wine. And why did I go out and bought him wine? Because when I went out and bought him wine, I got wine too. So here's a guy drinking himself to death. And he wants company. And yeah, this is something I'm not proud of. I'm not happy about this. I'm not proud of it. But I will admit it. As this guy was drinking himself to death, and he was apparently determined to do so, um, even though I was looking after him and doing all that kind of stuff, I still enabled him because it got me free drinks. So that's pretty shitty. But sometimes you do shitty things in your life, and that's a shitty thing that I did. So there you go. But there you go. <sighs> I wasn't planning on sharing that. It just sort of happened. Yeah. But it's true. Just don't like it. Still don't like it. Just thinking about it. Processing. Okay, so that's how it was. So, um, finally on the third night, um, and by the third night, he's in really bad shape. He's got, uh, he's actually got bed sores on his body, uh, scabs by this point from lying in his bed, lying in his urine-soaked bed for fucking so long. And his uh, skin is even going more yellow. He's really jaundiced, and uh, he's got blood under his nails from a scratching his scabs. It's He's just a fucking wreck, an absolute wreck. So he says, Justice, Justice, I have to go to the hospital. And this is, remember, this is the third fucking night. And I'm like, okay, Mario, you're going to go to the hospital? Yeah, I have to go to the hospital. And I said, okay, uh, but you have to call. He says, what? You have to call, because every other night, the previous two nights, I'd called. But now I refuse to call. I say, no, you have to call. If you want an ambulance, you have to call. And we have an argument about that for a while, but finally he backs down and says, okay. So this is me just trying to get him to take a little sliver of fucking personal responsibility for himself. So he calls the ambulance, and once again, the fucking ambulance comes, and the paramedics come, and um, they're pissed off by this point. I mean, who wouldn't be? Because they all know, and this is the third night, and they're fully expecting to just walk away with him being a fucking dickhead. But no, this time he actually says, yes, I want to go with you. I want to go. And I attribute that to the fact that he himself asked. It wasn't me asking, it was him asking. So I actually think that worked, and I pat myself on the back a little bit for that, despite everything else. Still thinking about it, I'm sorry. So <clears throat> he goes to the hospital, and as he's leaving, he gives me the keys and says, Justice look after the place while I'm in the hospital 
Don't take any new reservations, because the place was empty at that point except for me. Don't take any new reservations, and come and visit me, and we'll figure it out. And I'm like, okay. So away he goes to the hospital, and I have the keys, and now I'm in control of a hostel in Rome. The Navigator. woo Which was... Uh, Unexpected and unusual, but um, certainly, what's the word? Uh, strangely satisfying, I guess, being in charge of a hostel, even though there was nobody there. Well, I had my own, I was in charge of my own destiny anyway. You know, my own uh, experience, whatever I wanted to do in Rome, well, I could do that because guess what? I had keys to a hostel, so that was pretty cool. So I went out that night, had a really awesome pasta dinner at a, a local little uh, pastoria place. <clears throat> and um, the next day, got a call from, from uh, Mario from the hospital. And he said, um, I hate the hospital. I hate it so much. Will you please, please, please come and visit me? Now, um, I had absolutely no desire whatsoever, of course, to go to an Italian hospital to see Mario, even though I was staying at his hostel and had the keys. That was the very last thing I wanted to do. But um, I did have the keys, and he wasn't trusting me, so I said, okay. But I told him on the phone... I fibbed a little bit, and what I told him was that I had a phobia about hospitals, and so going to hospitals was a really big deal for me, um, huge anxiety, so I lied about that. Uh, because I didn't want to be running out to the hospital every fucking six hours, because I knew that if, you know, if I just went and I was, uh, you know, docile Mr. Man, then he would be calling me every six hours, come to the hospital, come, I need this, I need that. So right away I established, no, sorry, I'm phobic about hospitals. And I'm coming right now, but I'm doing it under great personal stress and anxiety, but I will put up with it because I have the keys to the hospital and you're trusting me. So that's where we're at. So I go to the hospital and there he is in the hospital bed. And he looks way better than he looked uh, the day before, that's for sure. He's been cleaned up and, he's, you know, he's had some fluids and uh, nutrients put into him, I suppose. Some food, at least. So, when I walk in, he looks at me like he's a drowning man and says, Justice, um, I want to do something for you. Now, I have to backtrack a little bit. During this time, when I was staying at the hostel, um, I had uh, gone down to the uh, local uh, phone center, and <clears throat> we have to recognize here that this is this is not exactly pre-cell phone. It's 2005, so people certainly had cell phones. But to have a cell phone in a foreign country uh, with roaming charges and all that kind of stuff was hugely expensive, so I didn't even consider it. 
So I didn't have a cell phone. So every time I had to call home, I had to go to a phone center. I bet you they don't even exist anymore, but, well, maybe they do. Who knows? But at the time, um, you would go to this uh, store, and they would have banks of phones and little cubicles, and you would uh, make your call and pay the money, and that's how you did it. So on this particular day, um, while I was staying at the Navigator, day number two, maybe, yep, probably day day number two, oh, my goodness, I apologize, I just yawned, and that's because it is getting late, and once again, sitting out on the back deck, as I usually do. So I uh, went to one of these little phone places, and I talked to Lisa, I phoned home to Lisa, and... Um, as you may recall from this episode, yes, this episode, uh, when Lisa arrived in Lisbon, we, uh, we flew without condoms just to see what would happen. And guess what happened? She got pregnant. The result of that pregnancy was Alex, our oldest boy, who just turned 10 and, uh, is going on 25, definitely, yeah. He is old beyond his years. I could go into that a lot, but right now I won't. So she was pregnant, and uh, and so I was very elated and happy about that. Just over the moon, really. It was um, what we were hoping for, and that's why we with, we flew without condoms, without any birth control. And, uh, and yeah, yeah, she was pregnant. Yay. I was so happy. And I told Mario about it. Um, I told the two Japanese guys too. Were they still there at the time? Yeah, I think, well, I'm not 100% sure about that. doesn't matter. I told Mario about it. So when I go to the hospital and, uh, see Mario, he says, I want to do something for you. I want to do something for your unborn child. And I'm like, okay, what, what do you have in mind? He says, well, in, my, in the safe at the, sh- at the hostel, there's a thousand euros in there, and I want you to take it, and I want you to send it to Lisa. Um, all right. Um, made me feel weird. Lying in a hospital bed, telling me to take a thousand euros out of his safe at the hostel. So he gives me the um, gives me the combination or the key. I can't remember if it was a key or a combination. I think he gave me the key. I think it was a key, not a combination. Pretty sure. Not a hundred percent sure. Pretty sure. So he gives me the key. Tells me where it is. I go back to the hostel. I open it up, and sure enough, there's a thousand euros in there. So I look at it, and I figure that the safest place for it is in the safe. So I put it back, lock it up, and then uh, another good day goes by. And during this day, I go out. Because, I mean, you know, there's nobody at the hostel. Oh, I'm going to miss one of the most important bits of the story. So, on the day that, um, that, yeah, on the day that Mario uh, approached me from behind with kitchen knives, 
And I had admonished him like a two-year-old child and got him to go back to his bed. Um, and while I was on the, uh, the computer updating my, <laughs> my live journal uh, travel blog, the buzzer goes. And of course, there's a buzzer down to the street. So <clears throat> Mario calls out from his room because he can hear the buzzer. Answer it. Deal with them. Make them go away. I'm like, okay, because he's in no condition whatsoever. You know, he's naked and yellow and <clears throat> he's, <laughs> well, he's just in no condition, put it that way. So I press the intercom button, yes, and I hear this chirpy female American voice. Hi, my name is Sarah, or whatever the hell her name is. I'm just going to call her Sarah because I can't remember. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I have a reservation. And I'm like, God. And I think about it, and I'm like, what am I going to do about this? I mean, there's no way I can take on, I can't take on anyone, especially not a chirpy American female. If it was some broody, you know, uh, German dude with a forelock over his eyes, you know, maybe, maybe then we could uh, work it out, but chirpy American uh, woman, no way. So I press the button and say, hang on a second, I'll come right down. So I go right down, and I get out onto the street, out of the, the front door. And there she is, and she's kind of chubby, and she's got her backpack on, and she's your typical traveler, and she's just so happy to be in Rome. And you can see it, she's fresh off the train. Because <clears throat> that's one thing about the Navigator, it's relatively close to the train. Not hugely close, but relatively close. So she's like, yeah, uh, wow, yeah, I'm here, and yeah, I just want to get, I just want to get checked in. And I look at her and say, um, well, there's a problem. And she says, what do you mean? So she's concerned, obviously. And I said, well, um, I don't, I don't think you want to, I don't think you want to stay here. And she says, um, what do you mean? Like, I have a reservation. Um, this is the only place right now I have booked in. Rome, so I, I have to stay here. Like, yeah, you could stay here. There's, I mean, there are beds here, but I just came downstairs, and the owner, while I was up there, the owner was walking around naked with a kitchen knife in his hand. And I look at her, and she looks at me, and she says, you know what? I think I'll find somewhere else. And I said, I think that's a good idea. And she went away. <laughs> I don't know what happened to her that night. Who knows? I hope she found somewhere. It's the, you know, late night walking around. Well, it was probably about maybe six in the evening or something like that. But that's not the best time, you know, to try and find a new place, a new hostel. That's for sure. Hopefully she found something. So, um, yes, Mario gave me a, a thousand euros. And I put it back in the safe, and I didn't believe it for a second. Well, that's the thing. I didn't believe it for a second, because he was the kind of guy who would give it and take it away and give it and take it away. I just, I didn't believe it. 
so that's why I put it back in the safe. And on on that particular day that I took the money out of the safe, I got onto um, the internet and I got onto the hostel referring site, Hostel World or whatever the hell it was called, <clears throat> that had led me to the navigator in the first place, and it was just everything was just so weird and so fucked up and so stupid. Um, that I logged into that site and they asked you for a review and I gave an atrocious review. Lots of ones, put it that way. Um, and I, at the time I felt good about it because I was being honest. I was. So <laughs> I go to bed. I think I went out for a couple of drinks, whatever, some food, I went, and I went to bed. And the next day I wake up and uh, Mario comes home from the hospital with his girlfriend, whom he's talked about a fair bit, whom I've never seen until that moment. And it's obvious that uh, from the moment they walk in the door that they know that I have given a poor review to the hostel and I am no longer welcome and I need to move out immediately. <laughs> Uh, so I proceed to do that. <clears throat> she is ultra pissed off. Like I've personally betrayed her. And he is apologetic because, after all, I, you know, I have helped him out a lot over the past four days or so. Four or five days. So he make, makes arrangement for me to go to another hostel that he knows about. He gives me an inn, so I go there and and I go to this other hostel, and yeah, it was it was a party hostel. I didn't enjoy myself there. Too much party. Not what I was looking for. And that's pretty much the end of it, really. Um, yeah, Rome. That was Rome for me. Staying at the Navigator. Um, obviously, I've left out a whole bunch of stuff. I went to the Vatican. I had some amazing experiences at the Vatican, sitting on the porch, as well as going to the Vatican Museum. Um, just walking around, seeing the ruins in downtown. I saw a political protest march at one point. Um, took a picture of a, a goofball in a Roman, a cheesy Roman centurion outfit while he was buying, like, a a bun from a from a, a sidewalk vendor and uh, and I got I got busted and he was pissed off because I took a picture without giving him any money. Normally, when they dress up in the costumes, it's so that they can pose with tourists and get money for photos. Um, yeah, went on a, a drinking tour one night and got so shit faced that I actually blacked out. Um, halfway through the evening, which wasn't good. Lots of weird shit happened in Rome, definitely. But mostly just walking around and and just feeling feeling the age, feeling the just the weight of time of just generations. They call it the eternal city and it really is. It's you just you feel it even if you're in some goofy little side street with you know with a bunch of 
you know, pizzerias and cafes and stuff just obviously catering to the tourists. Even if you're in, like, the most touristy place in the whole city, you can still feel it. You can still feel that, you know, so many feet walked over that exact spot that you were standing on. You can, it's intangible, but it's true, and it's... Yeah. I had, I had the same feeling when I was in Pompeii. Pompeii was amazing. Yeah, absolutely love Pompeii. Um, and all the more so because the the architecture is still true to the style of that time. They you know they they dug it out and the walls are still standing and you can walk around between those walls. It's um, it's incredible. And the the one thing actually above all that I enjoyed that made it really incredible and it's funny to relate but it was the paving stones and they were big huge oval ellipsoid um, stones that the kind of sort of vaguely hexagonal maybe um, but they sort of interlocked and and that formed the street even more than the buildings that, that really impressed me because I was walking on those same stones. Yeah. If you get a chance to go to Italy, go to Naples. <clears throat> of course, go to Venice, because Venice is incredible, and it's sinking, and you only have so much more time to go there. And Venice is a... Well... It's rude to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. Venice is a decaying whore. Uh, once beautiful, still beautiful in its way, uh, gracefully declining, falling apart. Like, I remember seeing um, landings that were attached to doors in the sides of buildings right on the edge of canals. And that landing had been drowned because of rising water levels. And so now the, the water was lapping at the bottom of the doorway. Remember seeing that. So you have Venice, you have Florence. Uh, Florence was uh, lovely as well, and Rome was also lovely. But the Italians have this strange love-hate relationship with tourists, where they absolutely loathe tourists. But at the same time, they love them because they bring in tourist dollars. So everything is kind of orchestrated. So when you're in Venice, not so much, but Florence certainly, and Rome definitely certainly. Um, everything is kind of groomed for tourists. You know, you get funneled into, uh, you know, sightseeing areas, and, and that's where all the, all the busloads of... <clears throat> Japanese and um, and middle-aged German Americans from Arizona uh, disgorge and have tourist guys with these um, <laughs> with these little flags that they uh, they stick up above everybody's um, head height with a particular color on it. Just look for the little yellow flag. I'll be there. That's where we're gonna meet. Look for the little yellow flag. <clears throat> so, after all that 
tourism and grooming and everything else, it is refreshing to go to a city like Naples where um, they just actively dislike you. It's like Blade Runner without the Asians. It's dirty, it's violent, it's full of attitude, and, um, yeah, they don't give a fuck about you. When you, when you cross the road, uh, the cars actually speed up and change direction to try and hit you. When you walk through the market, uh, they try and sell you uh, cartons of smokes with um, just bales of cardboard inside to make you feel heavy enough. It's that kind of place. They have a word, which I can't remember what it is, for a particular crime, which is two guys on a, on a scooter, a Vespa. So you got the guy driving up front, and then you got the guy on the back, and he has a straight razor, and they just cruise down the road, and then they find a woman with a purse on her left-hand shoulder, and... The guy on the back slices the strap with uh, with the straight razor and grabs the purse and away they go. It's like Shippa or something like that. Shippa? I can't remember. Have to look it up. So, so yeah, it's a terrible, dirty, violent, fuck you, in your face city. And like I say, in, in one way that's refreshing after all the groomed touristy crap. So I really did enjoy that actually. But also, there's so many uh, amazing things within a, a short travel time of Naples. And Naples itself, I mean, Bay of Naples, that's a hugely historic site, and there's history all over the city. I mean, you know, if you want to delve into it, it's there. And they invented the, the pizza, as far as I know, the Margera, Margera pizza, uh, which is just uh, tomato... Um, and cheese and basil, I think. Margarita, margarita, something like that. But anyway, <clears throat> um, so lots of culture, lots of culture, lots of history, um, but also lots of attitude, but also lots of really cool things nearby. So you can go to Pompeii, you can go to Vesuvius, which I didn't, I did go to Pompeii. Um, there's a bunch of uh, volcanic islands uh, just offshore, like Capri, for example. Um, and, uh, it's, um, it's an experience. I, I don't regret going to Naples at all, and I would recommend it to anyone who has any adventure in their soul. If you're, uh, I just want to be in the really nice hotel, then I probably wouldn't go to Naples. But if you, uh, feel like getting tested, then, yeah, that would be a good place to go. And it's getting late, and I have to get up early. And this has been going on for quite some time. I'm not exactly sure how long, but I guess I'm going to find out once I press the stop button. So, um, last couple of times I've skipped saying this, but I'll say it one more time on this episode anyway. Uh, good life, good luck, good night, good dreams, good times, goodbye. <laughs>